0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, April 2nd, 2023, we continue our series titled Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, Heart of Repentance, will be taught to us by Pastor Kevin Yule out of Luke chapter three, verses one through 14. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon.
1: So it seems to me that the main teaching of the passage is showing us this unique sonship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father and that his mission will require him such a devotion to God's purpose so great that it takes precedence over the closest of family members. And maybe that's where you or I are at today. That God is putting it upon our hearts saying, I have called you to a much higher purpose. I have called you to a much higher plan follow Christ for he followed his heavenly father to the absolute critical certainty of the law Jesus must show his calling even if it brings pain and misunderstanding to sacrifice oneself to deny yourself brothers and sisters that's the gospel the good news is that you will deny yourself and put your wholehearted trust in God the father and his plans for you And be used by him to advance his kingdom.
0: So we're going to be in Luke chapter three today, and this is our last real character introduction before Jesus really takes the main center focus, the rest of the book. Uh, John the Baptist is showing up and he's baptizing folks, and so we're going to look at that whole story and what it means and what God's really maybe saying to us today. And so before we get there, let me uh, set up by telling you this story. It's a little bit of maybe an illustration to help us understand what's going on here. And it's going to test your imagination. So let's let's go back to when you were eight and you had a great imagination. We're going to see how imaginative you can be because... 20 plus years ago, Brooke and I had just gotten married and uh, I did not look like this. I was about 50 pounds thinner and 10 to 15 of the pounds that are right in this region were more up here. So let's stretch your imagination, try and picture with me, if you will, a strapping 21-year-old Kevin Yule. And we were married for about three months and somebody had gifted us a weekend at their timeshare over in Coronado. And so it was like Coronado was like our favorite place to go. So we drove over to San Diego and we were at the timeshare, and we said, "Man, let's go out to the beach." So we made our way out through the dunes, to we the beautiful white sand of Coronado Beach, and we looked down. and We got there early; there was nobody there, so we set up our camp, and we thought this is a perfect spot. And we just sat there all morning talking. And then as more and more people began to show up, and it got to be about eleven o'clock in the morning, and the sun was out, and I thought, "Man, I'm getting a little hot." So I did what many of you do. I I scanned the surrounding area to see what sort of competition I had to decide if I was going to peel my shirt off and walk down to the beach or not. And I looked off to my left, and there was a an older couple, clearly mid to late 70s. I thought, no threat there. I had a couple of uh, dads building sandcastles over here that looked much more like I look like now, just dad bods rocking it, building castles, playing smash ball. I thought I got them beat. And then there was, I can only assume he was a European gentleman because he was in his 60s and a little bit, he enjoyed to eat, and he was rocking a yellow Speedo. And I thought, never a competition there. So I stood up and I peeled my shirt off. And I just swagger walked all the way down to that water. <laughs> and I got, my, I got into that water, it felt so good, nice cool Pacific Ocean, I just thought, man, this is great. And as I sat there looking out at the ocean, I heard some commotion behind me and I turned around and I realized that so many of the people that were sitting up around us were now looking down the beach this way. And my, my, my very senior retired lady here, Hold her blue blockers down and was just doing one of these. And so I looked down that way. I thought, what is going on? And here they come in a five man perfect V formation. Five of the greatest specimens the US Navy SEALs has ever produced. <laughs> They got nothing but combat boots, short shorts, and muscles I didn't even know the human body had. And they are just glistening and shining in the sun as they run down the beach. And they are coming straight for me. And all of it is just coming into like, what, oh boy. And I watch as they run past, and then I turn, and I watch them run away, and I go, they got more muscles on their back than they had on their front, what is going on? And then I look down and I made the shameful walk of shame back up the beach, <laughs> grabbed my shirt, put it on, and just sat there and went, oh, I'm a toad. <laughs> now, what's the difference? See, the walk down the beach, I was comparing myself to the people right around me. My standard of comparison was pretty low. And yet standing in the water when I watched these men run down the beach, all of a sudden my standard of comparison got elevated to a level that I know in my life I will never attain. And as we dive into the book of Luke, I think John might be having a similar message for us today because God's gonna show up and God's gonna speak to his people, his people that are religious people, men and women that would say, no, we are part of the family of God, we're children of Abraham, and God's gonna show up and go, yeah, but you guys think you are better than you are because you've been comparing yourselves to each other in the world. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to realize, hey, the people around you, they are not the standard. A perfect and holy God is the standard. And until we get our eyes off of everybody else and go, how do I measure up? And we look up at the holy God and go, man, I don't measure up at all. And God goes, exactly. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. And so we're gonna spend some time looking at these first few verses here in Luke chapter three, but I wanna wrestle with that question. Do you understand, do you, wherever you're at in this room, I don't care if you've been going to church since you were born. Do you understand that you need Jesus because God is perfect and we are not and we need Jesus each and every day. Are we living in that space? Because anywhere beyond that, we're looking at a Eastern European guy going, no, I'm not that bad, he's not the standard. God is the standard, absolute perfect in holiness. And so that's where John's gonna take us today as we look at his words. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive into the word. God, I thank you uh, so much for this incredible gift you've given us uh, in your word. And God, I thank you for uh, a man that you put a burden on his heart to study the life of Jesus Christ and to put into words everything that he, he saw, he discovered, every interview he had, and God, I thank you for caring for your word in all these years so that we could have it in front of us today. God, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through your word. And God, I pray and continue to pray that your Holy Spirit would be present in this place in the hearts of every one of your sons and daughters in this room. And God, for those that maybe have not surrendered their life to you, God, I pray today that you would pull that veil back. God, you would let them see the beauty of your gospel like never before. So, God, use your word. Communicate your truth to your people. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Luke chapter 3. Let me, let me give all of you type A's out there your points because I'm not good at outlines, but I'm trying to get better. So, here, here are your three points. Fill out your sheets right now so you can check a box and then just enjoy the ride the rest of the way. We're going to see, John's going to come out and he's going to lead. He's going to hear the word of God and it's going to describe to us really what I think is the first observation we can have in that God is absolutely perfect in his holiness. He is absolutely perfect in his holiness. And the day we forget how perfect God is, Satan rubs his little hands together and goes, Perfect, let's live in that space. Because your theology is bad and that's where the enemy wants us. God is perfect in his holiness. And because God is perfect in his holiness, what John is going to reveal to us through this story today is that we are in desperate need of a savior. Desperate need of a savior. We just got done singing about it. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. For any of us that walk around and go, yeah, but you know what, Kevin? God's kind of lucky to have me. Look at all that I do. No, 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 no. You need Jesus more than anything else because God is perfect and we are not. And we need a savior But then the third thing is this, there is a call, there is a charge for us, for those of you in this room that know Jesus Christ, he is your savior. There is a charge that we need to live holy, set apart, different lives. In fact, John's gonna, God's gonna interact with three people at the end. They're gonna ask him a specific question. What are we supposed to do? John's reply is the same. You need to stop comparing yourself to culture and letting them define what is okay. And you need to get your eyes back on the holiness of God and realize that God has called us as his sons and daughters to look different than the world, to be set apart, to be holy. Last thing, I don't know if it's in your notes to write down, but let me define a word you're gonna hear a lot. It's this word repentance. What does it mean to repent? It's a church word. Repentance to me means this, that you would change your mind, change the way you think, change the way you see and understand both sin sin and righteousness. That's somewhere along the way that we would stop and we would go, God, would you give me eyes to see the things that are sinful in my world and would you reveal to me what they are? Let me see them as you see them. That's the first form of repentance. And God, would you let me see righteousness the same way? Would you change the way I think about sin and righteousness? That's the message John's gonna bring to these people. So here we go. Luke chapter three, verse one. I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna butcher some of these names, but none of these people are here to call me on it, so we're gonna roll with it, all right? But you're also gonna see, you're gonna get a little foreshadowing of some names that maybe may may be familiar from if you've been around for Good Fridays in the past. We're certainly gonna hit a lot of these names later on in the future when we get to the the, the end part of Luke, because some of these guys are gonna be around for those dark days, the, the final week of Passion Week for Jesus Christ, See if you can pick them out. Here we go. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, there's one, being governor of Judea and Herod, there's two, being Tetrarch of Galilee. And his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Ituria. And here we go. Uh, Traconatus. Yeah, that's good. And Lithinius, Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, two more that are gonna come into play later on, and then we get this statement. The word of God came to John. You might read that and go, okay. Keep in mind that it's been, many people would say, 400 years since the word of God came directly to the group of Jews, to the people of Israel. 400 years of, of what some call silence, without recorded word of God written down for his people. We haven't been a country for 400 years. Just to give you a concept of time, 400 years since God has spoken and recorded words on paper for the people or recorded words that people would say, this is the word of God. 400 years of silence. And then the first words that come out of God's mouth to his people are gonna come from John. And to me, it points to the holiness of God. Because what is God's first words to his people? Let's read verse three. And he, being John, went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance, here's our first time we see this word, repentance, God shows up, hasn't talked to his kids in 400 years, shows up and goes, here's the word I have for you guys, change the way you think about sin and righteousness. Not, man, you guys are doing great. So proud of you. Glad I chose Abraham all those years ago because look what it's produced. No. You guys need to change the way you think about sin and righteousness because you've been comparing yourselves to pagan pagan religions. You've been comparing yourselves to the Romans. You've been comparing yourselves to other not so moral Jews. And you start walking around going, nah, we're pretty good. No, you're comparing yourselves to dad bods and European guys in a Speedo. Get your eyes back on the perfect holiness of God and realize you need to change the way you think about sin and righteousness because I am perfect and holy and I'm asking you as my kids to be holy and set apart and to be different as well. So the word of God comes and John is preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 4, as written in the book of the words of Isaiah, this is from Isaiah chapter 40. If you want, you can go read that passage this week. But it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level. Verse 6, And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Two things from this passage I think we need to understand. First, John's job is to wake the Jews up to their need for a savior. Hey, my job is to have you change the way you think about sin and righteousness, to have you guys begin to go, wait a minute, if if it's not through the law, then what is it? John's preparing the way for the savior to come, for Jesus to show up, he's tilling the soil to make it ready for the gospel message to the Jews. But catch that last verse from Isaiah chapter 40. Look what it says, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Jews are about to find out that their reign as God's chosen people is about to be come to an end. And theologically, I can argue that it never comes to an end, but they are about to realize that the door for salvation is gonna open up to people beyond just the Jewish bloodlines. It's gonna be open to all people. And in biblical terms, this, this, this term Gentile is gonna be welcomed into the family of God. You guys studied Romans, you heard all about it. John's gonna reference it in just a little bit. Look, the ax is laid to the root, Jews, because you guys have not lived a life set apart enough for people to run to the Lord, so now Jesus is gonna come and open up salvation to all people, all flesh will have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. He's paving the way, preparing the way for Jesus to come. Verse seven, John clearly uh, not a Toastmasters graduate uh, because this is his opening statement to the crowds that come out to hear from him. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, you snake tooths, right? I mean, this is just encouraging words right out of the gate. You brood of vipers, now, if you know the Matthew 3 account, if you know even the Mark account, most likely this is the group of Pharisees that have come out to see, what is this guy doing? Look like church attendance was down this week. Where is everybody? Well, they're all out at John the Baptist's place. He's doing a little home church thing out in the wilderness. Hmm, let's go see what that's all about. So here come the Pharisees. They begin to roll out into the wilderness and they show up and he says, "You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" The IMPLIED answer is certainly not I. Even there, we begin to see the wrath to come. This is uh, this is uh, again, I think, another reference to the holiness of God. God's wrath is coming. Can we understand that? When when he would write, when Paul would say things like, uh, "Don't take vengeance yourself. Leave room for the Lord's wrath." When you see evil on TV and you go, "God, what are you doing? What are you doing?" He's exhibiting his patience. But don't think for a second that when it's all over, God's wrath is not gonna come and there's not gonna be a a recompense for the evil done in this world for anyone that doesn't know the name of Jesus Christ. Be patient, pray, ask God to change hearts. Verse eight, bear fruit in keeping with, here it is again, repentance. We'll come back to this bearing fruit idea in just a second because we're gonna hit it again in verse nine. I want to camp out here on these next few words in verse eight. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Change the way you think about sin and righteousness. And look what he says to these Jews. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to, from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Jews knew they were God's chosen people. So they spent a lot of time going, "Man, me and God are good. I'm a child of Abraham, therefore we're good. John shows up and goes, no, 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 stop throwing that around. I need you to understand, it's not about your bloodline. It's about your acknowledgement of who God is and who he is to you. So he says, don't even begin to tell me that you're a child of Abraham. If God wants to, he can make these stones come alive and produce plenty of children of Abraham. So let me put it in context here, because not many of us here are walking around being, you know, hey, I'm a child of Abraham. Let me put it in our context, you know what this is? This is every person that shows up and, and when, when I have a chance to ask them, hey, tell me a little bit about how the Lord came to find you, give me your, your spiritual journey, and it starts this way. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, kind of been going to church my whole life, okay? Anything about Jesus in there? Anything about acknowledgement of your own sin? Or if you put all confidence and all faith in what you do, where you go, I go to church every week. That's great. God's not taking attendance. I read my Bible every day. That's great. It's not a a book report. When the time is up and God calls you home or He comes back for you, He's going to put you down in front of Him and you're going to sit before the throne of God Almighty. And the only question that matters in that moment is what did you believe about Jesus Christ? What did you believe about Jesus? And so here's my fear, this is the fear of every pastor leading a church anywhere, is there might be some of us here that have been going to church for a long time, sitting in Bible studies every week, leading small groups, doing, 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 and thinking, God, we're good. But you've never come to a place where you've changed the way you've thought about your own sin and you've said, God, I am a sinner, I am a sinner, I am not perfect, and I need your son, Jesus Christ. And so in this moment, in this place, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus, not in what I have done, not in what I will continue to do, but in you and you alone, because Jesus, you paid it all, and it's everything I owe is to you, not to myself. And so here's my question. If you are here today and you can't say with absolute certainty, absolute assurance, yes, I have done that. I have acknowledged my sinfulness to God Almighty and I have acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died a horrible death for my sins and because he died, went to the grave and beat death, I'm a child of God because of Jesus, period. If you have never walked that through in your own mind, in the the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then before you leave today, I'm gonna ask you, come talk to me or come talk to any one of our our Talk to Jesus team back here. Because more than anything else, all we wanna do is let you know what it means to be a son or daughter of God and what what the gospel truly means. But do not live one more day walking around going, well, I got Abraham as my father. Nope. Change the way you think about sin and righteousness. Now here's the dark side of this. There might be some of you here that are going, you know, I don't know if I've ever done that. But I've been leading a small group here at this church for 16 years. I've been a part of a Bible study for 12 years. I've been coming to church here every week since it got started. And the pride of your own flesh is going to get in the way and you're going to go, what are people going to think? If I you know what people are going to think? Welcome to the family of God. And don't let the enemy convince you not to move because of your pride. Put that to death at the feet of the cross and say, you know what, today's my day. Today's my day. Don't give me that you're a child of Abraham. Don't give me that you're a a church attender. What do you do with Jesus? Verse nine. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the tree. This This is a shot across the bow to the Jews. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, this, this whole fruit thing, what is this? Well, let's go back where we said it the first time in the very far first part of verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You want to bear fruit in keeping with repentance? You've got to change the way you think about sin and righteousness. And so here's what this looks like Tim, he's the, he's the dude right over here, leading worship every week. Three different times this week I've heard him bring up Psalm 139, last couple verses of Psalm 139. You want to begin to to pray a a prayer of repentance that might eventually produce fruit in bearing with repentance? Read the last two verses of Psalm 139 and make that your prayer every day. God, would you search me and would you know me? You're not asking God to do something he's not already doing. You're asking God to reveal to you what he sees in you. God, would you search me, would you know me? Would you try me and know my anxious thoughts and my anxious heart? God, would you reveal those things to me that I am am unwilling to relinquish to you because I gotta be in control? Show me my lack of faith. You're gonna begin to see your mind shift the way you think about sin and righteousness. Search me and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. God, would you reveal any sinful way in me? My guess would be if I were to sit you down or if you were to sit me down and go, all right, Kevin, what are the big sins? I can give you a list of four or five things I know I'm not supposed to do. Avoid these. And the days I do well, I go, psh, nailed it. And the days I fail, I go, oh, I'm a failure. Those may be not, so, not not needed so much, but you want to begin to ask God to reveal those things even deep down? What are some of those core issues in my heart and my soul? What are some of those things in my way of thinking that even drive me to certain actions I know I'm not supposed to do? God, would you reveal those things to me? And you find yourself every morning on your knees praying that prayer. God, search me and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Reveal any sinfulness in me at all. And let me see it for that, God. Let me see it as sin. And then God, lead me in the way everlasting you begin to make that a part of your regular walk with the Lord, I think pretty soon what's gonna happen is we're gonna change the way we think about sin and righteousness. And then you know what might come as as a result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Fruit in line with repentance. Because God's at work in our heart. And things are beginning to change because God's beginning to pull that stuff out. This is what I think he's calling us to. Now here we go, verse 10, last thing for us. Especially all of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Look at the the three people he's gonna interact with here. Now the crowds came out and they asked John, all right, what are we supposed to do? If that's true, what are we supposed to do? Great question. Interesting response. John answers and says, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and they said to him, teacher, what are we supposed to do? He says to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers came out and asked him also, and what what about us? What are we to do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. Three different people here. One, regular people just like you and me. Two, tax collectors. Think of tax collectors as like a mafia don, Okay? Their job was to extort money from people, give some of it to Rome, and then they would keep whatever they want for themselves as a tribute. And the soldiers, these were Jewish soldiers. These were Roman soldiers. These were Jewish soldiers. These were the, uh, these were the guys that would come break your thumb if you didn't pay tribute to the tax collectors, right? This is Guido and, and whoever. They're coming around instilling force to get what they need. And it was common practice just a part of society. So a tax collector shows up at your door and go, hey, you owe, uh, you, know, you owe Papa Don tribute. All right, here you go. Dad, why'd you give him money? Just what we gotta do, son. It's what everybody does. Tax collectors take what they want. They don't get what they want. They send the soldiers in. They get to do what they want. No one bats an eye because that's what culture said was acceptable. John shows up. What are we to do? You're to stop doing bad things and stop telling me, well, culture says it's okay. Everybody's doing it. John, every tax collector does it. It's kind of just common practice. You know what every tax collector is? You know what every Roman soldier is? You know what every tunic owner is? It's looking down the beach and comparing yourselves to other people. Nope. Our standard is perfection. Our standard is a perfect and holy God. This is John's way of saying, stop comparing yourself to culture Live set apart, live different lives. Be the tax collector that shows up and takes just what you're required to take and people leave going, man, that was weird. He didn't ask for more money, I wonder why he did that. Well, I'm trying to live by God's standards, not the world's. So now let's take a look at our lives because my guess would be not too many people have tunics in their drawer. How many of you are breaking thumbs to extort money from people, so what does this look like for us? Well, look at your life. Look at your life as a son or daughter of God. Does it look different than the world around you? You set apart. Culture is going to throw a lot of things at us that they're going to deem acceptable. Our standard is not, our standard of comparison is not culture, it's God and the Word of God. That's why we study it here. That's why we hold everything up to the lens of what does Scripture say? It's not not culture, it's the Word of God. Been round and round with some buddies of mine over a couple of issues. Well, it's not illegal. You're right, it's not illegal. But it's not honoring to the Lord. Is our standard what's legal and not legal? I think Paul had something to say about that. Remember 1 Corinthians 6, 10? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's honoring to the Lord, so don't let the legality of things dictate what it is and how you live life. Well, Kevin, you don't understand. You know, everything's, it's, I'm not gonna get too far in the weeds on any specific issue, lest I make today all about that. But look at culture. What's culture telling you is okay? And are you listening? Or are you taking it in and going, wait, let me, let me, let me run that through the filter of God's word because God's called me as a son or daughter of God to be different, to be set apart, to live a life of holiness. First Peter, be holy as I am holy. It's what Paul, as here's the, let me just real quick. For all of you that are going, yeah, but culture's so bad, it's so bad, uh, you're all worked up. It's terrible, I'll give you that. Nothing new under the sun, though. God's not surprised by any of it. What does Paul tell us in Philippians chapter two? Stop grumbling, stop fighting with each other. Live lives set apart. Live lives in such a way that you might, what's the description he gives? Shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. When you leave today, go outside, see if you see any stars. Nope, too bright. They don't show up in the brightness of day. You put them against a black night, especially a black night out in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden, the sky just comes alive. As sons and daughters of God, let's live life in such a way that we would shine like stars no matter what culture does and be different, be set apart. Don't leave here going, okay, so there's three things I'm gonna do, and nope, leave here going, God, would you change the way I think? Would you change the way I think about whatever those things are? And if behavior comes, if habits change, if lifestyle changes, it's not because you did it, but it's because you left it at the feet of the cross and God did it. And now all of a sudden he gets the glory and not you. To me, that's the space that God's calling us to. That's where John's calling us to. Change the way you think about sin and righteousness. Live lives set apart and realize that there is a perfect and holy God out there and we are far from from measuring up to his standards and that's why we need Jesus. That's what makes next week so incredible. We get to celebrate the fact that our Savior beat death. And no matter how No matter how many times I look down and see nothing but perfection running down the beach in physical form, and I feel ashamed. I don't measure up. Though I can understand that in my mind with the Lord, God's looking down going, but Kevin, that's why I sent my son Jesus. That's why he died for you. So let me scoop you up, hold you close, because you were made right not because of what you've done or didn't do, but because of who Jesus is. Guys, that's the beauty of the gospel, and that's what we're gonna celebrate here in the next couple of weeks. Let me pray for us. We'll close out our time. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that he paid it all for me. And God, I fully admit, I confess to you even now, God, there are too many days that I forget how desperate I am for Jesus. God, I pray today would not be another one of those days and God, tomorrow would not either. God, every day moving forward, you would remind me just how much I need your son. God, I would be incredibly eternally grateful each and every moment that you remind me of that. And I would hold on to you with all that I've got God, you would do what only you can do, both in me and through me. God, I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here. Use us any way you can. So God, meet us in this place, certainly now as we respond in a time of of worshiping you through song. God, continue to let this be just a declaration of our heart. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hope you catch the words of that song. God, here is my heart in your hands. Would you change me from the inside out? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Pray as sons and daughters of God, we might be able to find ourselves inviting the Holy Spirit to change things that we have no ability to change on our own, but he's got all the power in the world. It's part of being a part of the family of God. Man, we love you guys. I love that you were here to worship with us today. You're gonna hear me say often, uh, service is not over till you love somebody. So before you leave, don't think, oh, it's a great service, it's over. It's not over until you love somebody else. Love a brother or sister in Christ. Look them in the eye. Tell them how excited you are to see them. Ask them how you could pray for them. Maybe you could be the brother or sister they need this week just to put your arm around them and care for them. Pray with each other. Be a family together. We've got people up front would love to pray with you. If you were here today and you know that if you were to be honest, you don't know if you have the assurance of where you'd go. You don't know what you believe about Jesus. Man, come find us. Follow Jesus table. Follow, find us right up front here. Welcome center. Don't leave today without talking to somebody. Guys, next week's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna celebrate the fact that our Lord and Savior is not buried in the ground in the Middle East, but he is seated at the right hand of God. And we're gonna celebrate like crazy. So I hope you guys come back next Sunday. We'll see you on Thursday night and Friday night as well. Have a great rest of your week. See you guys next weekend.